Welcome to the Research and Focus podcast. I'm Susan O'Neill, the Associate Dean Academic and Research for the Faculty of Education at Simon Fraser University. This podcast focuses on in-depth interviews and conversations with our faculty members on their research activities and the impacts of their work locally and worldwide. How do students learn, critique, and understand online data sources? How do they make sense of the knowledge available in online data representations? Hi. I'm Marcus, and welcome to episode 3 of the Research in Focus podcast. In this episode, I had the chance to interview Professor Engida Gebri, who talked about the importance of knowledge translation from research language to everyday language and how we can help students and teachers to better use the free access data information available online in the classroom and everyday life. Enjoy. So, Professor Engida, can you tell us a little bit about your academic background, please? Sure. So, right now, I'm assistant professor in the Learning Sciences and Technologies. Uh, the program is called Educational Technology and Learning Design. I started my study, my undergraduate was in uh, education. My master's was in information technology. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do a PhD combining the two, like the use of technology in education. Um, I started as an educational technology PhD student and ended up in the learning sciences. Mm -hmm. So I did my uh, PhD in the learning sciences. That's when I came to Canada to do Mm -hmm. my PhD. My first degree and my master's were in Ethiopia, Addis Ababa University. Very interesting. So... uh, I did my PhD in learning sciences, which is kind of interdisciplinary field mm-hmm. that focuses on um, understanding and facilitating learning in complex situations, mm-hmm. be it in the classroom or outside of the classroom environment, okay. in informal, natural learning environments. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it focuses both on individual and social aspects of learning Mm -hmm. and the use of technology in supporting learning processes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So once I did my my PhD, I went to University of Colorado for a postdoc Mm -hmm. and um, spent about two and a half years. Um, I was on a project uh, funded by the National Science Foundation, the U.S. funding agency. Mm -hmm. We were working on STEM literacy using uh, visual representations, we call it infographics. Mm-hmm. And um, after about two and a half years, I came here as a assistant professor in, in summer 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and right now we are working on, um, I would say generally there are three uh, streams of my research here. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is this idea of um, data literacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, for secondary school students. Okay. I work with secondary school students, okay. uh, especially in the U.S., a lot of schools with our NSF project. Mm-hmm. Uh, here about two schools I have been working last year, okay. which is, you know, helping students use data to address problems of their interest in their daily lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, we 
we help them use different kinds of data, kind of ask questions about mm-hmm. uh, their lives and how to address uh, these questions using data available online, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. So is, you use everyday um, things that are happening to the students? Yeah, I can give you an example. So yes. in, when, when I was in the US, the kind of project students are working on mm-hmm. Is for example, one student was working on this idea of cauliflower ear. Mm-hmm. This is when you kind of punch it in the ear, yeah. it kind of inflammation on the ear. Yeah. He is a wrestler. Yeah. He experienced yeah. the problem. Yeah. So he wanted to know more about this oh, and started researching the topic, collecting data and other things. Oh, Another student was kind of asked by her mom, her parents to use... Um, um, uh, hair relaxers. Mm-hmm. She's an African American uh, woman, mm-hmm. and she is also a swimmer at the same time. Mm-hmm. So when she goes to the pool, her hair breaks when yeah. she applies the hair relaxer. She wanted to know the science behind this, oh, why why this happens when I go to the swimming pool. Kind of question. Is it helping people to understand scientifically what yes what everyday exactly. things are. So it goes with this idea of science literacy. Mm-hmm. In like in 1960s, 70s, the focus in the Western countries was in producing scientists, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially after the, the, the launch of the Sputnik in 1957. Yeah. Yeah. People focused so much on producing scientists. Mm-hmm. But at the end of 1980s, 1990s, they started, you know, it's not only producing scientists, mm-hmm. it's about science for everyday life. Yeah. About, you know, making informed decisions mm-hmm. about the day-to-day lives, including say, when you go to the grocery and buy food, mm-hmm. when you think about vaccination, when you think about, you know, transportation issues, yeah. how do you inform yourself yeah. using um, available data? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the rationale behind the science literacy. Yeah. And, and this is one of the uh, the three other. That's one stream. Second one focuses on this idea of uh, using visual representations. Visual representation. We call them multiple representations. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes representational competence. Mm-hmm. That's the ability of the students to understand yeah. uh, visual representations. There are a lot of them. Produced, you know, online uh, science news produced in this form. Mm-hmm. Science news outlets. Um, uh, uh, media uh, communication uh, outlets like the uh, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, for example, mm-hmm. Statistics Canada, Health mm-hmm. Canada, the CDC in the US, mm-hmm. they use, they produce science news mm-hmm. using visual representations. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they call them infographics, which is one, one genre, mm-hmm. but they use different kinds and studies show students struggle to understand these kinds mm-hmm. of representations mm-hmm. because most of the representations they learn in a school, mm-hmm. they focus on standard representations like mathematical charts and graphs, okay. but not invented, you know, combined mm-hmm. um, native kind yeah. of representations. Yeah. And also they... Um, focus on expert-generated representations. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, if you check the textbook, mm-hmm. most of the representations are produced by curriculum developers. Oh. 
So we focus on student-generated representations. Okay. How, so two, two parts actually with that. One, how do students learn from these online sources, mm -hmm. published outlets? How do they understand, mm -hmm. uh, critique, modify these representations? Mm -hmm. The other one is how do they produce science news themselves mm. using these kinds of representations? Okay. So we focus on how students combine different kinds of representations mm -hmm. when they make uh, data-driven uh, science news. Mm -hmm. What kind of representation do they use to communicate what kind of data? Okay. How do they determine the adequacy of the representation? So these are some of the things we, we try to understand, the use of multiple representations. Mm -hmm. A third component is this idea of learning context. Mm. How do we facilitate students' learning? We know from, 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 um, from prior studies that uh, students learn better when the curriculum, the instructional approach is contextualized mm. to their needs. So we focus on understanding how teachers or educators understand learning context mm. and how they modify mm. their instructional approaches, their content design mm -hmm. to address the needs of different students. Mm -hmm. So these are the three streams, mm -hmm. learning context, uh, data literacy, and uh, the use of multiple representations. Okay. Well, thank you, and um, it sounds very interesting. And I'm, I'm curious to know that uh, you recently wrote an article with Dr. Pullman, yeah, and uh, it's under review right now. So I was wondering if this article that you wrote it's related to one of these three topics. It is related to one of these. Mm -hmm. uh, the emphasis is on learning context. Learning context. Yeah, Dr. Pullman is uh, at the University of Colorado, uh, mm -hmm. Boulder. He is a PI on the NSF project, the principal okay. investigator, yeah. and uh, my postdoc mentor. So that article focuses on um, what we call active contextualization. Okay. So the, the way from our experience, the way we kind of learned when we grow up is the content is presented by the teacher. Mm -hmm. or by the textbook, mm -hmm. examples are provided and students are asked to use these uh, uh, content and materials in different contexts. Mm -hmm. We're kind of, so the, the agency of the learners is limited in this case, in mm -hmm. defining what context is mm -hmm. and how to kind of use it in the learning process. Mm -hmm because they are provided with semi-structured questions, uh, problems. Mm -hmm. uh, we define the learning context for students. Okay. That paper is a kind of reversing this situation, mm -hmm. which is using students' prior background, mm -hmm. as we say, like the cauliflower ear, mm -hmm. the wrestler kid, mm -hmm. or the background of uh, another student who did on breast cancer. Yeah. Well, because she said her grandma and great-grandma had this experience. Mm -hmm. So we use this as initial starting point mm. for students to uh, 
kind of uh, dig deep mm -hmm. to understand the, the content, mm -hmm. to understand why this happens, mm -hmm. and how do they justify these activities. Mm -hmm. So, how do we use the background of the students? What do they bring to the learning process? Mm -hmm. How do they interpret mm -hmm. the kind of material they get from different sources? Yeah. And what do teachers do mm. to help students do these kinds of activities? So we're focusing on the interaction between um, students' activities and teachers' scaffolding. Mm -hmm. At what point do teachers provide what kind of feedback mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. the students because the needs of the students is different. Mm -hmm. uh, like when they are defining their problem, we ask them, why are you choosing this topic? Yeah. What do you think will be the possible source of data? Mm -hmm. And how is this related to science? Mm -hmm. We ask them these kind of questions. Yeah. They refine their understanding. Yeah. When they go and search from online sources, databases, as I said, the CDC, the Stat yeah. Canada, whatever, when they are challenged, we help them. Mm -hmm. Once they find the material, we kind of help them interpret, mm -hmm. organize, mm -hmm. but the students are doing the job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the, the contextualization is active, yeah. interactive, yeah. between what the student does and how the teachers help them. So in terms of, for example, when they produce, we have online um, website where students' work is reported or published online. Mm -hmm. And we have editors, it's just like a normal journal publication process. Yeah. Yeah. So we ask them to do different things at different phases mm -hmm. of the project. Mm -hmm. And they use different tools. Mm -hmm. So this focuses on initial context, how do they contextualize choice of a topic, mm -hmm. how they contextualize interpretation of the, the data they find, mm -hmm. and also when they try to report it, how mm -hmm. do they think about possible readers? Mm -hmm. oh, wow. And then how do they contextualize their representation to help readers understand their science news? Mm -hmm. That's what we mean by active contextualization. So, I mean, it's not presenting the content first. Yeah. It's about helping students define the different aspects of context mm -hmm. and work on this um, throughout the, the, the different phases of the project. It sounds a very engaging process with the students that yep. also motivate them yep. to be engaged. Yep. Okay. Yep. So we are using their background as a motivating factor. Mm -hmm. they, they already see the relevance of science. Yeah to address their, their uh, uh, problems of everyday life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they also see how they will have appreciation of how science is done, mm -hmm. how scientific inquiry is uh, implemented and processed. Mm -hmm. And they are also supported by the teachers and by the researchers at the same time. Uh, and, and this is the, the article that you and Dr. Paul That's the focus yeah. of the article, yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Um, you, you also recently uh, have been uh, the recipient for the 2016-2018 uh, Shirk grant. Uh, what are you working now and what can we expect from that? Uh, that grant focuses on... Uh, I am the 
the, the principal investigator on that project. Mm-hmm. And I have uh, three graduate students working on the, on the project. Uh, especially one of them, he's focusing on, right now we're focusing on the use of open data. Open data. Mm-hmm. As educational resource. Okay. So open data is like data available, made available mm-hmm. for free mm-hmm. from different government sources. Yeah. Like the open access. It's open access. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a way of making the government activities more transparent mm-hmm. at different levels. Mm-hmm. There are data, in BC for example, there is a data BC mm-hmm. is the main portal. Uh, in Canada, there is Open Canada, mm-hmm. which has something like 70,000 data sets. Wow. In the US, uh, Data GOV has something like 235 or something thousand data sets. Mm-hmm. So these are data made available, collected through, through taxpayers' money, mm-hmm. made available by different government institutions, mm-hmm. and they are available for free. Mm-hmm. Anybody can use them. Mm-hmm. So the problem is these data sets are not readily accessible mm. for uh, secondary school teachers and uh, students. So when you say uh, not ready access, um, what do you mean by that? Is it not easy to understand or it's not... Exactly. The trend is that you know, uh, data producers okay. format the, the data set mm. in a way that's understandable by researchers. For people with a background in technology, in in data analysis, mainly scientists Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and researchers, people people like you and me, but not for secondary school teachers and students. Yeah, Yeah. so there is actually no use at all. If you don't understand what what the article is about, right? Having open access but not easy easy to be consumed, it's just... That's a problem of justice, you know? Like... um, the people who are using the open data are already um, those who are highly educated, mm-hmm. those who are you know with different high level skills, mm-hmm. but the benefit to the general public is kind of limited. Yeah. So we're kind of trying to understand the nature of these open data sources. Okay. The features, what kind of commonalities, differences, what features do they have? And what are the possible challenges for the teacher? So mm-hmm. he, this master's student, he kind of organized something like nearly 400 data sets. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we're trying to develop a website on, on our page, with mm-hmm. SFU, and make it available for teachers with some kind of annotation, guideline, uh, tutorial material, and different sources. So we are going to approach teachers mm-hmm. to use these tools and see what challenges do they have and find ways of helping them to address these challenges. Okay. So that's the focus of the project. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you said there was three other projects, right, on this grant? This is one? Uh, this is the main focus because we focus on open data mm-hmm. and at the same time data literacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year I worked with uh, uh, teachers in Burnaby and Coquitlam. Mm-hmm. So when we ask students what's data, they think data is something they get from experiment mm-hmm. in their lab. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, or kind of survey collected through through the uh, Statistics Canada, for yeah, example. Yeah. It's either uh, in a tube or in a chart. Exactly. Yeah. But they are part of reporting data. They are really active in online social media, for okay. example. Yeah. They publish data about themselves. Exactly. Where yeah. they are at a given point, at a given time. Facebook, yeah, for example. Yeah, yeah. Do they know the implication of reporting this? Mm -hmm. Do they know they are reporting about themselves? Yeah. Do they know there are these kinds of data that they can use to address problems in their neighborhood? Mm -hmm. Community-related problems. To be more active. And to be more active. Socially active. So, and the second problem is, you know, the data is kind of semi-structured already. The variables are defined. They are arranged by columns and rows. Uh, students are expected to kind of analyze the relationship between the different columns and kind mm -hmm. of things. But we should kind of give them some um, uh, training mm -hmm. skills mm -hmm. about developing skills, mm -hmm. about you know asking questions, starting from the very beginning, from defining the variable itself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do students engage in becoming active users of data mm -hmm. for two reasons. One, we're becoming really data-intensive society yeah. around the world. Mm -hmm. Europe, they are pushing open data both for economic and you know, uh, social imperative. Mm -hmm. The US is really doing very, very much in terms of making data available. Canada the same. Mm -hmm. So we are becoming more and more you know, uh, data-intensive. Mm -hmm. in our lives. So we should be able to decipher, understand yeah. this data and make use of it. Mm -hmm. The second thing is there is a lot of need for data scientists in the future. Mm -hmm. And university education will focus on uh, the use of data, yeah. like research yeah. data. How do students prepare themselves to be successful mm -hmm. in post-secondary education? Mm -hmm. So both as a tool to succeed mm -hmm. and as a means to become active, informed citizen, mm -hmm. we need to provide you know, skills mm -hmm. and training for secondary school students mm -hmm. about understanding and using data. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there is a, a tone of social justice when you're talking. Sure. It. It's, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious to know how did you get involved in this project, if there is anything related with that? As I said, my, my training in learning sciences and especially my engagement with the postdoc project, there are different flavors of learning sciences. Yeah. And some work in lab environments by developing software and, uh, and uh, trying different approaches. Mm -hmm. uh, the other kind work in natural environments. Mm -hmm out-of-school internships. We had out-of-school internships in Colorado and, and Missouri where the project was uh, implemented. So you see, sometimes when you look at this open data as well, you see who is using open data. Mm. When you see publications, mm -hmm. when you see um, uh, uh, profiles mm -hmm. kind of thing, you see that already educated, already skilled people mm -hmm. are using these things. Mm -hmm. But there is a big potential mm -hmm. 
to use this resource for community needs. Mm -hmm. That we can talk about transportation, we can talk about mm -hmm. students check the weather on their cell phone. Mm -hmm. That's one kind of data, but it's made available for them yeah. by the weather uh, meteorological uh, organization. Yeah. <clears throat> Is there a way we can do this to make it available for other people as well? Mm -hmm. And and one uh, like I I grew up in a family of I had about uh, six siblings. Uh, we grew up in seven siblings, mm -hmm. and when I grew up, there wasn't uh, electricity at all in our house. Mm -hmm. And when I see when I live now, it's a matter of taking the opportunities other people have created for me. Mm -hmm. And then you can see, you know, the change education makes. I'm living in a different world now compared to where I grew up. Mm -hmm. That means creating opportunities for young kids mm -hmm. so that they pursue their dreams, mm -hmm. fulfill their potentials, become who they want to be, yeah. is uh, kind of a priority yeah. Yeah. In, yeah. In, in my mind. More uh, a situated learning perspective. Mm -hmm. It, yeah. context-oriented learning that, in a way, that makes sense for the students, mm -hmm. appreciate the value of education, science in, in their lives, mm -hmm. and use the opportunities available for them. Yeah, it, it does sound like this project is very close to your heart. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and so can you tell us a little bit more about your role in this project? Yeah, my my role is here, here is more coordinating the the projects and helping students as well. Mm -hmm. uh, partly, it's about training the doctoral and master students. So there are there is one PhD student working on this and uh, two master students. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the master students is going for a PhD, uh, looking for opportunities in the University of Ottawa. Mm -hmm. uh, so, my role is approaching schools, mm -hmm. school districts, and trying to engage teachers in most of the, the, the job is done by the teachers. Mm -hmm. So, we're not, we're not kind of coming up with new, uh, completely different idea and ask the teachers to implement. Mm -hmm. It's a way of engaging the teachers to design the activities with mm -hmm. us mm -hmm. and if they need help in different ways we also make resources available online mm -hmm. they can use the resources we go to their classroom help them in the process mm -hmm. it's a way of as i said uh, both facilitating the learning process and understanding what works where mm -hmm. and for whom mm -hmm. So we call it more a design-based project, mm -hmm. which is you design the learning intervention with the students and mm -hmm. teachers. Mm -hmm. And then you try to understand you know, who is doing what and what kind of tools. Different students use different tools. Mm -hmm. They choose different topics. Yeah. So based on this, we try to understand what works where. Mm -hmm. So my role is kind of framing these activities mm -hmm. and engaging the teachers to work. One of the teachers I work with at uh, Burnaby uh, Central Secondary School, she is already using 
inquiry-based instruction. Mm -hmm. It's in a biology classroom. Mm -hmm. She works with students in more open-ended inquiry mm -hmm. kind of project. Mm -hmm. So our role was how do we integrate data science mm -hmm. or the use of data in the process mm -hmm. and help students in figuring out things. We have seen students coming up with amazing projects, mm -hmm. with um, amazing tools we never mentioned in the classroom. Mm -hmm. Students find open data, open tools, I mean, yeah. uh, open access tools. And they figure it out by themselves. So one student was working on a picture chart. We never mentioned it. And she figured it out by herself, wow. yeah. came up with her own representations. Mm -hmm. Another student was working on correlations. Mm -hmm. and, and no one taught her correlation in the classroom. So as I said, it's a matter of creating the opportunities. Yeah. And my role is facilitating this and trying to understand it from research perspective. Mm -hmm. So these students are doing this. What does it mean in terms of what we learn from the project mm -hmm. and in terms of transferring to other contexts? Mm -hmm. That's what we're doing. Okay, uh, Professor Engede, you also mentioned a few challenges of this project so far, and one of them is the fact that all this knowledge needs to be translated. Right? It's yeah. not only having the open access, but it needs to be translated somehow so the general public can use, can consume it. Can you um, tell us a little bit more which other challenges you're you facing in this project? Uh, so, as I said, this is a, a big challenge, mm -hmm. which is the data is not readily available mm -hmm. for teachers and students mm -hmm. who may not have extended skill mm -hmm. in figuring out to work relationship between the different variables. Mm -hmm. So one thing I see is the way data is generated mm -hmm. does not seem to take into account mm -hmm. who the users are other than scientists and uh, data science professionals. Mm -hmm. So we need to make it readily available for teachers and students. Mm -hmm. Because of that, there seems to be kind of uneven, you know, not really um, widely uh, uh, available use of the data by the general public. Mm -hmm. It seems that limited kind of people are using mm -hmm. this. We don't know the relationship between students and the data. Okay. They may be contributing for some of the Google, uh, the mm -hmm. Facebook kind of thing. They are data producers, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the students themselves. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't know how to make use of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what it means is these producer-consumer relationship should be kind of um, explained uh, properly for the students and teachers as well. Mm -hmm. The other thing is kind of, you know, uh, making time available by the teachers. Mm -hmm. They seem to focus on covering defined content mm -hmm. in their classrooms. So they seem to have they seem to have you know less time for these kinds of projects. Yeah. So it's engaging the teachers uh, in that process. There was uh, uh, 
kind of a workshop on uh, developing critical thinking in the BC curriculum on last Friday. Mm -hmm. And most of the questions participants were raising is that how do we cover content in we are focusing on critical thinking. What about the content aspect of this? Mm. So we need to find a way of engaging students and teachers to start from, it's not really leaving out the content. Mm -hmm. It's about changing the approach mm -hmm. to the content. Mm -hmm. So when we focus on the context of the students, in a way that they appreciate what it means for them. They see the relevance for their context, for community. And we progressively push them towards you know, what it means in terms of science. What is a scientific explanation for your, for your problem? What does the science say? And what does it mean in terms of you know, other people in communities? societies. Yeah. We can't push them progressively. Mm -hmm. So the, the need to cover a lot of content is kind of a constraint mm -hmm. to engage students in this kind of fairly open-ended inquiry. Mm -hmm. And teachers need um, support, mm -hmm. a little bit of time, yeah. and uh, freedom mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to design their own curriculum, to uh, try different things. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. uh, some of the challenges I see. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what would be the impacts of this project on the educational community? You, you kind of pinpoint a few of them, but what would be the most, uh, the major impact that you see of this project on the educational community? So, for the general community, as I said, it's it's the use of already available resource. Mm -hmm. It's helping them to use the open data resource. Mm -hmm. For educational community, it has two things. One is about the design of learning environments mm -hmm. in a way that facilitates students' engagement to use data. Mm -hmm. So for educators, teachers, for example, how do we design learning environments for data literacy, for representational competence, and how do we address the context of the students. Mm -hmm. So it helps, it provides insight for, for educators in that sense. Mm -hmm. From research perspective, as I said, it's kind of more a different kind of research, which is um, uh, gaining traction over the last probably 10, 15 years, mm -hmm. which is uh, more design-based research. It's not about going to the school uh, and collect your data and run away mm -hmm. kind of design. Mm -hmm. It's about engaging the student. First of all, the design itself is yeah. participatory. You engage the teachers, you engage the students, you engage researchers. Yeah. You collaboratively design the material. Yeah. The second thing is you try to help in everyday today activity mm -hmm. to improve the practice, yeah. to address problems of practice. Yeah. So it kind of uh, provides uh, an opportunity to address these kinds of issues. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you understand, investigate, examine what tools are working where, mm -hmm. what kinds yeah. of interactions are uh, bearing fruit. Mm -hmm 
in the learning process. Mm -hmm. What kind of support and scaffolding should we provide for which kind of students? Mm -hmm. It's about moving students in their own pace, mm -hmm. but take different things based on its relevance for their needs mm -hmm. and day-to-day -day problems. Yes. It's not about giving the same thing and then judge some of these are here, the others are here, the others are here kind of approach. Yeah. It's kind of tailoring. The, yes. The, okay. Yes. In the meantime, you think about what kind of technology can facilitate mm. these kinds of approaches. Yeah. Engage, you know, uh, students both cognitively and socially. Yeah. What do they learn individually? How do they engage in problem solving, uh, critical thinking, mm. uh, you know, analysis, synthesis of different ideas, uh, address practical mm. problems. At the same time, you work with other students collaboratively in groups. Yeah, yeah. You publish for your peers. Yeah. They are publishing, we make it available online for peer readers, teenagers yeah. like them. Yeah. So you are using the readers as your audience. Yeah. And then you taste. We also sometimes arrange, whenever it's possible, feedback processes mm -hmm. in the classroom. Students are providing feedback for one group or the other, mm -hmm. and then you can see how you know possible readers would understand mm -hmm. the material produced by one group, mm -hmm. because the classroom is kind of a test audience for for your work. Yeah, and it's a very community-based research. It right? does both. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it's a more, It's just it goes well with with. You know, SFU's mission, which is community engaged yeah. university. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I have one more question for you. Mm -hmm. and, um, as a researcher and a scholar, um, what have you learned from this experience so far? A colleague of mine, uh, uh, he said, uh, "What do you bring to this research? Who are you to research the topic?" As I said. And I, I gave you my experience, my background in education. So what you learn from this process is that creating opportunities for students is not really an option. It's a way of uh, developing active, engaged citizenship. Mm -hmm. And it's a way of, you know, Arguably, one of the expectations for students is to be able to learn from available resources. For example, online resources. Students get news from online sources. Science news. The general public gets news from online sources. And as you know, these online sources may not be always authentic. Yeah. Yeah. They may be biased, know, yeah. biased uh, mm -hmm. fake news, and mm -hmm. other things. Mm -hmm. So engaging the public in critical thinking, especially the students mm -hmm. who are the leaders of tomorrow. Mm -hmm. They are coming to college tomorrow. They are going to be my students. They are going to be my colleagues. Yeah. Yeah. So there has to be a way of engaging them. Yeah. And we have the resources in the form mm -hmm. of, let's say, open data, in the form of online information. Mm -hmm. So focusing on content, now, we can't say we can develop their thinking 
independent of content. Mm -hmm. We need the content aspect. Mm -hmm. It's about how we approach teaching the content that needs to be different. different. Mm -hmm. So what I see from this experience, this process, is the importance of kind of tweaking our approach to developing students' skills mm -hmm. and the need for engaging them in kind of state-of-the-art technologies mm -hmm. and pedagogies mm -hmm. so they can be, you know, the promise of tomorrow mm -hmm. and the leaders yeah. of tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. That's what I see. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, we need to think about that, right? Especially at the moment that we are today when there's a lot of free information out there and you there can is. make anything out of it. In both kinds, most students can access the content uh, as fast as I can mm -hmm. because there are databases, there is a SFU database for example. The content is available, they can get the book. Mm -hmm. The question is are they able to interpret, to understand, mm -hmm. to make sense of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. So. I'm no more in the expert. The expertise is available online yeah. somehow as far as the content goes. Yeah. I share with the experts to develop their thinking, mm -hmm. their engagement, mm -hmm. their sense-making process. Mm -hmm. The second one, as we said before, is you know what they find online is not always credible. Mm. They should be able to, especially with a visual uh, representation in graphics, we can produce really high fidelity, high colorful uh, uh, charts and graphs. Yeah. But when you delve deep mm -hmm. into what it has, where the data came from, mm -hmm. uh, you know, people say data speaks for itself. It, mm -hmm. it doesn't. Yeah. There is a context for collection. Yeah. There is a context for analysis. Mm -hmm. We make you know, decisions at different points in the data collection and interpretation yeah. process. Yeah. So do our children, our students have the skills? Do they have the ability to understand the credible from non-credible sources? Mm -hmm. Are they able to distinguish mm -hmm. uh, fake news from authentic news? Mm -hmm. What are the different strategies they apply and use in terms of addressing fake news problems or yeah. other things? So these are vital when I see from from uh, the perspective of educator. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's making citizenship more informed. Informed citizenship, you know, engaged, active citizenship. Okay. And you know, young people are really active. Mm -hmm. They are engaged in different ways. It's about tailoring where they are engaging mm -hmm. in, what they are doing. Most of the projects start from the students themselves. We are helping them in that process. Mm -hmm. okay. Professor Ingrida, thank you so much for being with us. It was a pleasure talking to you today. My pleasure. It's, uh, you're doing an amazing job and uh, hopefully this will inform uh, the listeners yeah. in some yeah. way. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Research in Focus podcast is produced by the Faculty of Education at Simon Fraser University. Stay up to date on the faculty by visiting our research website at 
sfu.ca slash education slash research and focus and by subscribing to us on iTunes. Thank you for listening.